Well, let's uh, let's pray. Father, tonight we're grateful to you for your word. We thank you that your word is life and that we can draw life from your word. And tonight that's what we expect to happen. We thank you for, uh, for the fact that you are our God and that you do exactly what you say. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Amen. One time... One time I went to a funeral. Well, I've been to more than one funeral. I went to this one funeral in particular, and this friend of ours, his wife, his mom had passed away. And so she was a member of a small Assembly of God church in Amarillo. And so uh, we went to the funeral to support him, and, and uh, another pastor and I went, and we were we were neither one preaching the funeral, which was, you know, most, most preachers have a hard time not being the preacher at the funeral. Well, we were there, and we, we listened to the, the, the eulogy that the pastor gave. And it was a younger guy, and he was fairly fairly denominational in his approach to things. And so he talked about the new birth in the funeral, which was a good thing to do. I've done that before. And so during the funeral service, he asked people if they wanted to receive Jesus. And so now we got there late. We're on the very back row. This young man was not used to preaching to this many people. The room was full. He probably was used, based on the signs on the wall, you know, that tell you how many came and how much money they took. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't used to preaching to this many people. And so I mean, he was taking it as a great opportunity. And so he, he got to the place where he was going to give an invitation during this funeral. And so he said, every head bowed and every eye closed. Well, now, I remember Jesus said, watch and pray. So I didn't bow my head and I didn't close my eyes. And so he was asking people, uh, you know, he, he began to tell them they could receive Jesus. And in the process of it, he said, and if you would like to, to make Jesus your Lord now, would you lift up your hand? Now, I'm in the back and I'm looking at the whole room. And he, and he said, I see that hand. <laughs> and he said, I see that hand. And I see that hand. I'm just going to tell you, no hands went up in the room because I was watching. And by this time, I wasn't praying anymore. I was just watching. And nobody, nobody made Jesus their Lord based on their uplifted hand that day. They may have because he prayed a prayer and, and all that stuff. And so I thought, I thought, what a fake. Why would he do that? Why would you pretend that other than ego? And so... Now the question was, is every preacher that says every head bowed and every eye closed, do they all do that? No. <laughs> no, that's not, that's, not, that's not the case. That's not the case. Just because that guy, just because that guy was, was, was uh, not exactly truthful that day doesn't mean all of them are not. The other night, uh, uh, Gail and, and Kay and I, we were talking about healing and talking about healing evangelists in the past. And, and sometimes we get a bad taste in our mouth because we've been to some place or seen something that, that affected us. And so what we, what we have to make sure we don't do is throw out what the Scripture says because we found a huckster somewhere. And that's what we have to make sure we do. One time, one time in our church in Dumas, we had a guest speaker come, and, and he was a tremendous teacher of the Word. I mean, he was really good, had written some books, and we met him through another friend, and he came, and, and uh, 
it was right after Catherine Kuhlman had died. And it seems that he had been to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting somewhere at some point, and she laid hands on him. And this guy decided in the middle of our meeting that he was doing at our church that he was no longer going to be a teacher, but he was going to be a healing evangelist. <laughs> and so he decided he was going to be the next Catherine Kuhlman because she had laid hands on him. And so he just switched. The first night, it was fantastic. He taught the word. It was really good. The next night, he became a healing evangelist. It was a disaster. I mean, he, 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 my, my, converse, my congregation was, they were confused. I mean, he just, he, the spirit that, about it was all wrong. It was all terrible because he just wasn't flowing in the gift. And so the kids in our church, they, they loved watching the show. I mean, because this guy, you know, people would come up and he'd blow on them and they'd have to catch them. And, and so this guy was, I don't even know why they would fall sometimes. Maybe the Lord was helping them. I don't know. But I think the guy was helping them a lot by pushing on them. And the kids in our church would play the game where, where you know, one kid would be the catcher and one kid would be the preacher and one of them had to fall. And so they played that game over and over. But it was a disaster because this guy, that wasn't what God called him to do. He was a fantastic teacher. Now, maybe later on that's what happened. I don't know. I never invited him back after that. <laughs> but that doesn't mean because because he wasn't the real deal doesn't mean that the healing message that we find in the scripture is not the real thing. Amen. We can't we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We got to make sure we find what does the Bible say? What can I put my faith in? Do I put my faith in my experience? Do I put, do I put my faith in what happened to somebody else? What happened elsewhere? Or do I put my faith in what does the Bible say? You know, one time our daughter was our oldest daughter. She was maybe. I don't know, a year and a half, maybe two years old, old enough to talk. And she had had ear infections her whole life up to this point. And they were talking about surgery for her ears and, and all kinds of things. And we lived in the Metroplex at the time. And so we went to a Mario Murillo meeting. And we're there, and, and Mario was preaching. And, and he got a word about different types of healings that, that were taking place. And one of those words was about ears being opened. And all of a sudden, our daughter... She was just a little girl, and she was in my lap, and she looked at me, and she said, Daddy, broccoli in my ears. Well, she heard something crackle, and I mean, the Lord healed her instantly. I mean, just on this word that came from the pulpit. Well, now, that's what we're after. We're after the real deal. Now, not all healing takes place through a word of knowledge. Not all healing takes place instantly. Not all healing takes place without a doctor. We talked about that some last week. And so we, we, don't want, we want to make sure that we don't throw it out just because we've had a negative experience somewhere. With any truth from the Bible, and we all know this, we've been around a while, we know that there are going to be people who misuse it and abuse it. And so what we want to do is find out what does the Bible say. So last time we began to talk about Jehovah Rapha, we began to talk about the Lord, our healer. We saw twice in the Gospel of Luke that Dr. Luke described how the people were healed. The scripture says that they came to hear and be healed, to hear and be healed. There's something to hearing that brings faith about for the healing. We understand that Jesus is the word. More than that, he's the word of life. According to John in, in 1 John 1, 1, he said that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. Jesus always ministered life 
to people. We look at his ministry. Not one time did he refuse to heal somebody. Not one time did he say, I'm giving you cancer to teach you something. Not one time did he do that. We find he always ministered life. He healed sick. He delivered oppressed. He was always ministering life. The scripture says of Jesus in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, I love the next part, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. The anointing in Jesus did good healed all. The passage says that he healed all that were oppressed of the devil. The sickness wasn't from God. It was from the devil. We, got not, we, we can't get our wires crossed here. Okay, we're going to talk a lot about that tonight. That Jesus, if, he would have, if Jesus would have healed people that God made sick, he would have been violating the will of God. I mean, that doesn't make sense that Jesus would go and say, you're healed when God said, no, I made him sick. Okay, so Jesus healed those that were oppressed of the devil. He healed them by the word. He's the word in the word of life. Okay, so we understand that healing comes by the word of life, just like salvation comes from the word. Okay, the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23, we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So it's the same word that, that forgives, the same word that heals. We find that, that the same source is involved in both of those situations. So we recognize that. Now, before I really get into the heart of what I want to say, I just want to mention this. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but we need to understand it's not enough just to hear it. You know, most of us think faith comes by having heard, and I've already heard all of that before. Mm-hmm. Okay, but faith comes by hearing. We must do more than just hear. We must receive what we hear. Because you can hear something and not receive it. Here's what the scripture says, what Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 20. He's talking about the seed and, and the sower. And he said, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. It's more than just hearing it. It's hearing it and receiving it. Hearing it and making it my own. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, the last part of the verse says, The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It's, enough, it's not enough just to have heard it and think, well, it did or didn't work. It is receiving it as it is absolutely the word of God. If we find it in the Bible, we can know for a fact that that's what God wants to do. Okay? Listen to these verses. This is in Acts chapter 28. It says, and now the Apostle Paul has arrived in Rome. He's talking to the, to the Jewish people in Rome is what, what this is referring to. And when they, had, when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging. I mean, he's trying to tell these people why he's there. To whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. Now, how many of you would like to have those recordings? Wouldn't it be fun to hear what the Apostle Paul had to say about Jesus, expounding to them? about Jesus. It says both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. I mean the guy taught these people all day long about Jesus. What a great day that would have been. Verse 24 says, and some believed the things which were spoken and some believed not. 
It wasn't a matter of just having he- having heard it. It was a matter of having received it. It wasn't because the teaching wasn't good, because I assure you, it was fantastic. I mean, I'm looking forward to studying theology from the Apostle Paul when I get to heaven. I mean, you know, the, the Word's going to abide forever, and I believe he, there are going to be classes that we get to go to, and I want to hear the man teach the Word. I mean, we were talking about expository teaching at dinner tonight. That's what I want to hear, some of that. And then I want him to say, Randy, why don't you take a minute? That's what, I, that's what I'm looking forward to. Because believe me, in heaven, probably a minute is about all I would be ready to do. But it, it wasn't because the preaching wasn't good. It wasn't because the theology wasn't solid. It's because some heard and received what they heard. Some heard and let it go. It's not enough just to hear it. It's a matter of receiving us. Jesus told us in two, in two different places it's important, number one, what we hear. But he also said it's important how we hear. In Mark 4.24 it says, and, and Jesus said to them, take heed what you hear. But in, in Luke 8.18 it says, take heed therefore how you hear. So we hear, not just hearing it, and just trying to intellectually discover it, but we must hear and receive the word of life. What we have to learn to do, especially when we're talking about healing, is we've got to learn how to understand with our heart. Mm-hmm. Not with our experience, with our heart. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. It says, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they've closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. You see, it's possible. It's possible for something to come to you intellectually, but you never understand it in your heart. I mean, there are a lot of people who've heard the message of the gospel and have never made Jesus Christ their Lord because it doesn't make sense to their mind and they didn't understand with their heart. I know this. I don't have to understand it with my mind if I understand it with my heart. I can have faith for lots of things I don't even understand. I mean, it means receiving the Word. Faith is. Walking with God is receiving the Word whether I understand it or not. Just deciding, okay, God, now I'm not going to take half a verse here and make that my total theology. I'm going to find out what is the preponderance of Scripture, and I'm going to receive it with my heart. I mean, I haven't yet figured out how can I give my my tithe and my offering, and that make me money. But you know what? I've been doing it for 42 years at least. And and, And it works, though I don't, I understand the spiritual principles, but it doesn't make any sense to my mind. But we need to know we understand with our heart. All right, so now that brings me to my scripture. Here we go. Exodus chapter 15. We read this last week. Exodus 15, 26. And the Lord said, And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, will do that which is right in his sight, will give ear to his commandments, keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. We looked at that last time, and we noted the fact that it is one of the compound names of God. Jehovah Rapha. I am healer. I am the cure. I am the mender. I am the one who can fix you, is what he's saying. It's a compound name. It's his memorial name. I love it. Moses said, what name do I say? 
And God said, I am that I am that I am that I am that I am. Basically, he said, I am whatever you need. And then six times in Scripture, he adds a word with it. He said, I am healer. Listen, he didn't say, I was healer. I am healer. His, it's his memorial name, the Scripture says. He is healer. He was, he is, he always will be. He is Jehovah Rapha. He will never change. He can't change. Just like he is Jehovah Zidkanu, he is the Lord our righteousness. He's not good. He, it's not just because he was. He is. He always will be. It can never change. He is the Lord our peace. He is the Lord who sanctifies us. It'll never change. He said, I am the Lord, your cure. I am the Lord, your physician. See, we need to understand it's not about who he was. It's who he is and who he will always always will be. He is the Lord, our healer. He, he Man, he's not, I'm glad he didn't say, I, I am the Lord that heals, but not for long. I am the Lord who heals, but when those last apostles die, you can forget about it. It's all off. He can't change. The scripture said he's the same. He can't change. It's not that he won't change. He simply cannot change. He is Jehovah Rapha, always Jehovah Rapha. It'll never change. We, we, we need to recognize that. I, I love it. We read last week out of Jeremiah 17, verse 14. It says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. We begin to connect forgiveness and healing together last week. We began to see there's always this connection, healing and forgiveness. For some reason, the church through the centuries has drawn a line between the two. And we made them very distinctly different. And we made the reception of them very distinctly different. They're a part of the, the, the healing and forgiveness are part of the same solution for mankind that was purchased with the blood of Jesus. They're a part of the same redemption. And as we look, we're going to discover some wonderful things tonight. I'm really excited about it as we look. We read in Psalm 103, verse 1 through 3, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And then he lists them. The, first, the top two are who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Benefits is plural. He talks about all of them. I cannot think of a church who would object to the first half of verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. I can't think of anybody who would stand and say, well, he'll forgive all of them except. No, he'll forgive all of them. And I don't think we would disagree. But the second half of the verse, he said, who, for, who heals all thy diseases. You see, someone say, yeah, yeah, but, but all aren't healed. Well, the fact is, all don't receive forgiveness either. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who've heard the message and they know that Jesus is the way to heaven. They've heard it and heard it and heard it, but they haven't received it, just like many people have not been healed. So the problem is we've, we've, we've taught these things as different things. So tonight I want us to look at something pretty fun. I'm going to look in John, at Luke chapter 5, beginning of verse 17, for a few minutes. This is a great story. We've read it before, I think, in this group. It says, And it came to pass on a certain day... As he, Jesus, was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. I love this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, here we are. The room is full of preachers. 
I mean, the Pharisees are like the bigwig pastors. The doctors of the law are like the, 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 the doctors of theology today. They're all in the house. They came from everywhere. And they're sitting to listen to Jesus. Now, if you've never been in a preacher conference, don't think you need to go. What's worse than a preacher conference is a preacher conference full of snarky preachers. I mean, they're in this place, and these preachers, I mean, they are snarky guys. They are listening to the greatest preacher, teacher of all time. And they are there so they can find something wrong with it. I mean, it's amazing that some people didn't believe Paul, but it's more amazing that they didn't believe Jesus. I mean, do you think he wasn't anointed? Lord have mercy, he was so anointed. And the power of God was present to heal them. The word of life is in the room, and they're just snarky about it. I mean, this is the manifestation of Jehovah Shammah and Jehovah Rapha at the same time. The Lord is present to heal. I mean, it's there. It says the Lord is present to heal them. Them who? Them preachers that are in that room. I mean, he is there to heal them. And you've you got to know, with those kind of sour attitudes, somebody's got some sickness in their body. Somebody needs Jehovah Rapha in this room. We don't find that even one of them was healed. This tells me the power can be present, but if we don't receive it, nobody gets healed. The power was present. The greatest teacher was there. I mean, they weren't receiving the word of life. Man, it's possible to have knowledge and miss it. That's why we read last week out of Jeremiah 8.22. Is there not a balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? There was healing available. But these guys chose not to. Listen, there is... there is. It's true for healing. It's true for forgiveness. We have to receive it. We've got to receive what God has promised. Every one of these guys, they got what they came for. They came to find something wrong. Now, they didn't find anything wrong, but they thought they did. Let's read on. And behold, by the way, it says they were going to accuse him in another place. The word accuse, have you ever, have you ever looked up the word Satan in a, in a Greek lexicon, the word Satan means accuser. So the next time you start an argument with the word you, you might bear in mind you just are starting to be with the accuser. I'm just saying. If it's like you always. Mm-mm. You might want to say, I think. Or I have this opinion. <laughs> and soften it. Anyway, we're not, we don't be the accuser. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him and when they could not find by what they, by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude they went upon the housetop let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus and when he saw their faith he said to them unto him man thy sins are forgiven thee i really like this they lower him. You know the story. I mean, these guys, they couldn't get in. They went to the top. They tear, this, And by the way, this is probably Jesus' house. It's in Capernaum. And this is probably his house where they're preaching. And they got on top of his house. They rip a hole in his roof. <laughs> Listen, 
It couldn't have been a little hole. They lowered a whole man in his bed through the hole in the roof. I mean, can you imagine Jesus teaching these snarky preachers and stuff falling on him? They lowered the guy down. Jesus, he said he saw their faith. There was something about what they were doing that drew Jesus' attention to their faith. He saw it. The guys who refused the word were in the house on the front row. The guys who came for the word of life couldn't even get in the house from the door. But they found a way to get in so they could see. These guys, man, they were desperate for God. Desperate for the hand of the Lord. I love it. Jesus, they lower him down there. Sometimes Jesus surprises me. They lower the guy down and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Is that what he came for? Maybe. We'll see as we go. But I mean, when Jesus said that, now you talk about snarky preachers. They even got more snarky after this. It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh such blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I mean, their theology is twisted in a knot right now. And it says, but it says, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whither is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereupon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all, who's they? All them preachers. They were amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We've seen strange things today. <laughs> strange things. He tells him his sins are forgiven. And these guys are like, who can do that but God? Is he saying that he's God? I love this. Jesus says, which is easier? I'm happy that he didn't say which is harder. In other words, both things are easy. One is not harder than the other. The healing or the forgiveness, which is easier? He said, neither one of them are hard. They're both easy. See, some some people feel that forgiveness is hard. And they wrestle with it all their lives. Jesus said it's easy. Some people wrestle with healing all their lives. They wrestle with it because we try to make it so hard. Jesus, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you know what? This is all easy. Now, here's what he's really saying to these guys. If this man doesn't get healed, you'll know he didn't get forgiven. He said, they're the same thing. If he doesn't get healed, he wasn't forgiven. I can't tell you how many times I've seen God heal somebody. And then for, for, to allow me to say, this same Jesus that just healed your friend will forgive you of your sins. Because it's the same. Jesus said, which is easier? He's saying, they're, they're the same to me. I mean, it's the same to God. He forgives all. He heals all. Jesus said, which is easier? To forgive the sins? 
or to heal his body. They're both the same. I like the way, I like the way Matthew says it. This is the same story from Matthew chapter 9, verse 6. This is the Amplified. Listen how this is. You're going to love this. It says, But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on the earth to forgive sins and remit the penalty. He then said to the paralyzed man, Get up, pick up your sleeping pad, and go to your house. The word of life is the same answer for both forgiveness and remitting the penalty for the sin. What's the penalty for the sin? In this case, it's sickness. I mean... When the sin problem gets fixed, the sickness problem gets fixed. We're going to talk about that as we go. I mean, they, sickness and sin come from the same source. And redemption is the same solution. It's the same thing. Both are easy. Now, I want you to think about this. And we're going to talk about it again as I go. When did God get glory in the story? He got glory in the forgiveness and the healing, not in the sin and the sickness. He got glory. So let's think about this connection between sin and sickness. God created the world we live in in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. I mean, every time he would create something, he's like, that's good. It was all good. Everything he created was good. Let me ask you this question. On what day did he create pneumonia? <laughs> what day did he create AIDS? Okay, what day did he just create the common cold? <laughs> when did God create that? See, <laughs> what God created was good. Sickness in the earth came not as the result of God's creation, but as a result of the sin of Adam and Eve. Sickness is the offspring of sin and Satan. If we want to find out where it came from, he, God didn't create it. It came with the sin. Sickness with... When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, the Lord told them, in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Now we understand they didn't die physically that day, but they began to die physically that day. They died spiritually for sure, but they began to die that day. Sickness came with death. Sickness, quite honestly, is incipient death. That's just what it is. Sin and sickness are connected. Listen to this. Most of us, we pray for the sick on Sundays. Think about the. I'm going to help your theology for just a moment. James chapter 5 says this. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Well, we do that, don't we? And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now listen, did anybody know the next part of the verse? And if you have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. They're connected. Have you read the next verse? Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. And it's talking about sin, isn't it? Confessing your faults. It says, pray for one another that you may be healed. Just connected forgiveness and healing. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. 
There's a connection. Sin and sickness. I mean, there, there's a connection all the way through. Praying for healing brings forgiveness. Praying for forgiveness can bring healing. You see, when we deal with the sin, we can deal with sickness and vice versa. It's all part of the same gospel. Okay, we've we got to have mind renewal here. We've separated these two subjects, and we've tried to make it think, well, it's easy for you to get forgiven, but this, this getting healed stuff is way harder. Jesus said, which is easier? Listen to these verses out of Romans chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 1 to start with. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified by faith. Verse 9. Much more. This is more than just being justified. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The word atonement here is almost confusing to a lot of people. Atonement is an Old Testament word. The Hebrew word is, is kephar, and it means to cover. The, when the Bible talks about Noah and the ark, it says he covered it with pitch. The word is kephar. It's covered. The New Testament word is not covered. We weren't atoned for. Our sins weren't covered. They were eradicated. Praise God. And the Bible says Jesus had, we've received this total eradication of our sin. Wherefore, it says in verse 12, as by one man, one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Where did sickness come from? Sickness is a result of sin. Adam brought sin and death upon all mankind. In Adam, all men sinned. Sickness is directly connected to death. Sickness isn't God trying to teach us a lesson. And, and so that he can, so that he can, now God can get glory from lots of things, but he doesn't give us the sickness to get glory. That's not what he does. I mean, sickness comes from death. Death is a result of sin. Think about this. Plants get diseases. When did they sin? They never sinned, but the curse came because of sin. Animals get diseases. They didn't sin, but the curse came. Here, we have this theology that's in the church that somehow God is giving people diseases and car wrecks so that he can get glory from it. Can I tell you something? Sickness is a result of death. It came from sin. If God approves of the sickness and uses it for his own glory, then he has to approve of the source of the sickness, which is sin. God didn't approve of that. He provided the remedy, though. And he approves of us. John chapter 9, verse 1. Isn't this fun? It gives us something to think about. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, as he was born blind? N n number one, that's a stupid question. He's born blind. Did he sin to get that way? I mean, what did he do? Did he tell a lie in the womb? I mean, how did he sin before he was born? Did he, was he, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that I may work, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. 
I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. A lot of people say, see, it was the will of God. They didn't what Jesus said. He said, it's so the works of God can be made manifest, and now I'm getting ready to do the works. The work of God hadn't been done yet, according to Jesus. The disciples come, they see the blind guy. Why is, he, why, is, is it his sin or his parents' sin? They're trying to affix blame. Jesus isn't trying to affix blame. He's trying to fix the problem. They're saying, who sinned? Who sinned? Jesus said it wasn't him. It wasn't his parents. But we know who sinned. Adam sinned. It's, it's Adam sinned. And that's where it all came from. One time, about a year after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I lived with this guy. We were both spirit-filled guys. And, and uh, you know, I got the flu. And so I'll never forget this. I had the flu. My, my roommate comes in, and, and he says and he says to me, he says, where did you let the devil in? Well, he's implying that I was living in sin or I wouldn't have gotten sick. And so it embarrassed me, and I said, are you saying that I've sinned? And the Lord quickly said, are you saying you haven't? <laughs> well... The problem we have is that we're, we've been accused by the devil yes. of saying, you sinned, that's why you're sick. You deserve to be sick. You deserve it to be sick. Well, yeah, the answer is that sickness came from sin, but it might not be my direct sin. Okay, it might not be because I ran the red light yesterday. <laughs> I know people who, man, they think that if you run the red light, you're in sin, you're going to hell now. That's not a good theology either. But, but, but this guy, this, this, Jesus said, he said he didn't, it's not his sin. It's not my direct sin. It wasn't this man or his parents. Jesus said that the sickness was so the works of God could be made manifested. Healing is the work of God. Jesus did the works of God. Spit in the dirt, made mud, rubbed it in the guy's eyes, and he could see. And that's when God got glory from this whole story. I mean, it's when he healed him. So neither healing nor forgiveness is deserved. Whether it's my fault or not, I don't deserve it. But God is both healer and savior. And he's provided the answer in our healer and in the savior, Jesus Christ, which is easier which is easier? They're both the same. They're both the same. Let's read this. This is Isaiah chapter 53. If you take notes in your Bible, you probably got some notes here. <laughs> I'm going to read from Young's literal translation. Now, Dr. Young is the guy who wrote the Young's Concordance that we most preachers study out of. And so he, he, this is his literal uh, translation of Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says this, or this Bible. It says, Who hath given credence to that which we have heard, and the arm of Jehovah on whom it hath been revealed? It says, Yea. Now, by the way, every theologian that I've ever read after tells me that these verses we're getting ready to read are about Jesus. Every theologian. I've never found one that disagreed. Here's what he says. Yea, he cometh up as a tender plant before him, and as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor honor that we observe him, nor appearance when we desire him. It's talking about Jesus being B 
beaten beyond human recognition. Nobody desired him. It says he is despised and left of men. Now here's what here now this is the literal translation of this verse. A man of pains and acquainted with sickness. The King James says sorrows and grief. But you, I'm telling you, you look up these words in any Hebrew lexicon and you're going to find it literally says he was acquainted, he was a man of pains and acquainted with sickness. Jesus. Now when was he acquainted with sickness, do you think? I'm going to tell you, in his earthly life, he was not sick one day. How do I know that? There was no sin. Didn't even have a sin nature. Couldn't get sick had no sickness in his body for 33 and a half years. He became acquainted with sickness at the whipping post. He became sickness. He took our sickness. He was acquainted with pain and sickness. It says, And as one hiding the face from us, he is despised and we esteemed him not. I love this. Next word is surely. That means without doubt or reservation, surely our sickness he hath borne and our pains he hath carried them. Surely he's done that. And we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted, and he is pierced for our transgression bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is on him and by his bruise there is healing to us. Though That passage connected sin and sickness being dealt with at the same time. Jesus became sin. He became sickness. I mean he surely he took it. He was pierced for our transgressions. I mean all of them. I mean, he did it. The, the chastisement of our peace was on him. Not just our physical ailment, but our mental ailment. Mental disease and, 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 and all those emotional distress. Jesus took it all. He suffered for all of it. Now think about this. Did he have to have the crown of thorns to die for our sins? No. But he had to have it. To take the chastisement of our peace. Did he have to be whipped at the whipping post to die for our sins? Absolutely not. He just had to be crucified. But he went to the whipping post to take our sickness. And as his blood was splattered, you and I received healing from that action. Because in that total redemptive act of all the blood being shed, hanging on the cross and dying for us, he died for us physically, for our bodies. He died for us mentally, for our souls. He died for us physically, for our sins, so we could be totally redeemed by him. It wasn't, listen, he died 100%, not so we could get a 50% redemption, but that we could be redeemed totally. Jesus did it for us. I mean, which is easier, he said. Which is easier? They're the same. Let me ask you a question. How do you know you're saved? How do we know? <laughs> Listen, there are days that I don't feel saved. 
I know y'all are probably holier than me, but I just don't. Do you know there are some days that I have symptoms of unrighteousness? I, listen, there, and Tammy will tell you, there are days I have major symptoms of unrighteousness. And I've got these symptoms of unrighteousness, but does that mean I'm not saved? How do I know? Well, we learned it when we were in Sunday school. The Bible tells me so. The Bible said that I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible said it. So it doesn't matter what I think and feel. Even if I have a symptom of unrighteousness, it doesn't change the reality. How do I know that I'm healed? When the doctor's report says so? No, I knew it long before that. What was it? Was it when, when, when the test, the test said it? I was no, no. How do I know? Does the symptom dictate to me whether the word is true or not, or do I decide? He said it. He was there. He took my sickness, because by his bruise. By his stripes, I was healed. Whatever the symptom says, the word is true. So the question is, which is easier? I found out I couldn't fix my sin problem. Only he could do it. I couldn't fix my sickness problem. Only he can do it. Which is easier? Let's pray. Father, tonight we thank you for the good news that Jesus took our sin. He took our sickness. He took the curse. And we live redeemed by his blood. Lord, I pray tonight that what we've taught would be a blessing. I bind the devil's condemnation that comes and says, see there, you're not as good as anybody else because you didn't get healed. Lord, we believe that your word is true. We talked last week about going to the doctor and how we could find that in Scripture. Lord, we thank you that you choose to heal us. And we believe you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.